We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parham. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to another edition of Hanray's Guys, presented by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. On tonight's show, I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Gabe DeArmond of PowerMizzou.com. Also, Chase Parham will visit with Joe Healy of D1Baseball.com to discuss the Ole Miss-Maryland series they both attended, as well as some surprises in the SEC to this point. They'll also uh, look to the weekend, some interesting series ahead around the league as Ole Miss heads to uh, Minneapolis for that tournament there at uh, the Vikings home stadium. We'll get to Gabe and Joe in a minute. First, I want to tell you about Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, different names, same great products and services if you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, the surrounding area, call the people at Southern, 662-429-4429. As I said, this will be the Friday Oxford Exxon podcast, the Oxford Exxon located Highway 6 West in uh, Oxford, just next door to the Oxford Crystal, where you can enjoy the new Sunriser made with a larger round sausage. The combo is just $5.99. It's a great value to start your day the right way. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around, or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. Great service, great products. Um, Corey and the people at Clark Ford, they want to be your car guy. They want to be your truck guy. They will prove uh, to you what that means when you make the call. 662-257-1900. Gabe DeArmond, Joe Healy, all guests join on the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. Are you a displaced corporate executive or wanting to put your career in your own hands? Or are you an experienced entrepreneur wanting to diversify? Either way. Andy Ludicky can help. He owns multiple franchises and businesses and uses his expertise to help others find their American dream through a very thorough and free consultation process. So call Andy, put your life, your career in your own hands. It's 100% free. You've got nothing to lose. Find your perfect franchise at myperfectfranchise.net or contact Andy anytime at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. 
Call 404-973-9901. Ole Miss and Missouri play Saturday afternoon in Columbia. It's a 2.30 game. It's the regular season finale for two teams headed in completely different directions. Ole Miss in the middle of a uh, coaching search. Rebels uh, looking for their fourth SEC win. Missouri appears destined uh, for the SEC, for the NCAA tournament. They're trying to get one of the top four seeds, a double bye all the way to Friday in next week's SEC tournament, which begins on Wednesday in Nashville. We talked about Dennis Gates' success. We talked about the league as a whole. Get Gabe's thoughts on the Ole Miss job. I'll post this on Rebel Grove in a little bit. It is my somewhat educated opinion here on Thursday night that uh, Ole Miss and Chris Beard are no longer a potential item. I'm not positive on that, but I think it's headed in that direction. Not really sure which way uh, Ole Miss is going at this point. Information is really hard to get. I uh, still think that there are a handful of mid-majors that remain sort of the uh, the apple of Keith Carter's eye. So we'll, uh, we'll dive into that on rebelgrove.com. It's part of the Rivals Network. If you don't subscribe to rebelgrove.com, now would be a really good time to do it. Price is still the same as it's been for ever. So uh, we'll talk about that uh, and more here uh, a little bit later. But right now, here's my conversation from earlier today with Gabe DeArmond of PowerMizzou.com. My buddy Gabe DeArmond of PowerMizzou.com, kind enough to uh, spend some time with us here on Hand Raised Guys and the Oxford Exxon podcast. Gabriel, how are you, sir? I'm good. Uh, when's the segment when Chase comes on and I can talk about college baseball? Because that's that's my passion. <laughs> hey, Missouri went to uh, went down to Arlington and won a couple of games. They they look like they're I, off to a decent start. I heard that. Yeah, uh, I think they're five and two. The big the big story was that their potential starting quarterback. Uh, everybody was worried might have to get Tommy John surgery. That does not appear to be the case. Uh, he was back at football practice throwing today. So, oh, that's good. It's yeah. There's a lot of baseball Tommy John stuff that's happening. Uh, Ole Miss yeah. just got a big baseball scare with Hunter Elliott, their ace. Looks like he's got a chance to return this season, but I think about a week ago, most everybody thought that he was headed to Tommy John and that he wasn't. He was done for the year, which is sucks for him, but it was good for him that he's got a chance to get back. But man, you look around the country and all these dudes are snapping their arms, and you're like, is it possible that maybe they throw too much all year long? I mean, I'm just thinking. Right. Well, and funny story. So some of us on the show might be old enough to like, remember that Tommy John is a human being and like that this surgery was named after him. My son, who is, he's now 25, but when he played high school baseball, he came home one day and said that some kid tore his Tommy John. He just thought you had Tommy John surgery to fix your Tommy John ligament. <laughs> yeah. You now think of Tommy John as a surgery and an underwear. Right. You forget yeah. that there was a pitcher for the, the Dodgers and, and I guess the Yankees too. He pitched for both teams. That was he was a pretty damn good pitcher. I remember yeah. Tommy John pitching on like Monday night baseball with Howard Cosell and and, and Don Drysdale and um I don't know, who else was in that booth. I don't know. Did you watch I, it's been a long time. I as a kid, I think that was a little before me. As yeah, see I'm I'm a little older than you. As a kid in North Louisiana, you got two baseball games until the WGN and WTBS came to the cable. You got two baseball games a week. You got the Saturday afternoon game of the week on NBC, and you got Monday night baseball on ABC. Yeah. And so you didn't know. I mean, I was kind of stunned to find out there were more than six major league baseball teams. <laughs> there, there was the Yankees, and there's the Dodgers, and the Red Sox. 
And you'd sometimes see, I guess, the San Francisco Giants. You'd see the Cardinals occasionally. And back then, the Royals were pretty good. And so you'd see the Royals because they had George Brett and Willie Wilson and all those cats. But, like, I didn't – I was like, there's a team in Pittsburgh? Really? I I every now and then turn baseball on ESPN. I still don't know there's more than six teams. So, (laughs) same. Hey, um, your your Royals are getting ready to to, – they're getting ready to. Well, they're going to have a season. Going to play? Are they? Yeah, I. Uh, I seriously, I've not watched a uh, a single major league baseball game since pre-COVID. I, I, it went away during COVID, and Bally Sports makes it impossible. And I found out I don't care, so I just, I don't watch it. I think that's the concern for a lot of people. Um, all right, we'll get to Missouri and stuff here in a second. Uh, have you come down from the high of the Chiefs win, or are you, is life back? Oh down? yeah, yeah. It took about you know 48 hours uh i was i was uh i was back to normal before travis kelsey was drunk on stage you know so <laughs> yeah his podcast with his brother it's phenomenal was is still is is amazing it is so good you and i both talked about it you sent it to me and i'd already watched it and kind of gotten teared up when they were talking about their mom that week it was really cool i mean at, watching that i was like god it's a shame they couldn't both win it's, of course sucks but yeah, I was, I was less sad one of them lost, uh, to be honest. But uh, yeah. but I've I've heard I've I've seen in the in the Google reviews a lot of people saying the same thing about uh, hand race guys. So like brings me to tears, especially during basketball season. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, all right. Uh, Ole Miss uh, wraps up the regular season at uh, at Missouri two thirty on Saturday. Um, interim coach win case. I get why coaches say what they say. I do. Ole Miss loses to Texas A&M the other day, and Wynn says he's really happy with his team, really happy with the way they're playing, that the goal is to go play well at Missouri, take some momentum into the tournament, and you never know what happens. You might look up and you're in the NCAA tournament. And I was like, when? Right. When? Probably not. Just thinking out loud. (laughs) Y'all have won three games all year, and you got to win five in five days. Yeah. I don't I don't think so. I, I believe that since the the SEC went to 14 teams, the lowest seed to win it is a 5, I think. I saw. So, oh, you know, be- this will be like the 10th or 11th year they've had had that many teams and I think uh nobody has managed to come from day 1 and win it because I don't know if you know, but if you're playing on day 1, I've I've always called that the most and I've covered a lot of them. Like this is not a shot. Missouri has played on Wednesday night a lot. It's the most depressing day in college sports. Like being in Bridgestone Arena for those games is so awful. <laughs> you want to walk in the arena and go, "Hello." Cuz you can hear, it hello, is. hello, hello. And there's <laughs> nobody there and the, the the juxtaposition from Wednesday night to like Friday afternoon is night and yeah. day. It's yeah. night and day. The, if you just go to the tournament on Wednesday night, you're like, this is the worst event in the history of sports. And if you go on Friday afternoon when it's like Kentucky and Tennessee, Kentucky shows up, and everybody, yeah, Kentucky's there, and 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 you're like, oh my god, this is awesome. I mean, this this, <laughs> yeah. this is fantastic. I I never knew SEC basketball was so big. I mean, it, it, that's that's what you. It's it's incredible. It's it's why, and we'll get to it in a minute. It's why Ole Miss has to get it right. You you mm-hmm. can't do it right. So let's talk about Missouri, because Missouri was in Wednesday night purgatory not too long ago. In fact, just last year. Last year, yeah. And and 
Yeah, because they beat Ole Miss on Wednesday night, and then they lost on Thursday, and they fired their coach, and and they they hired Dennis Gates, and they're no longer in Wednesday night purgatory at least for now. They're going to play yeah. on. They're going to play on Thursday. I think. not necessarily. Could they get to Friday? They actually have a pretty good shot. Um, so they need either Arkansas to beat Kentucky or Auburn to beat Tennessee. If mm. either of those things happen and Missouri beats Ole Miss, Missouri is the three or the four seed. Oh, wow. How about that? Yeah. Because they win a whole bunch of tiebreakers because they beat Tennessee, they beat Kentucky, and they beat Vandy. Auburn lost uh, Caldwell or Cardwell. He's not yeah. going to play, according to Bruce Pearl. Auburn's going to be pissed off. They got a shot yeah. to beat Tennessee. Tennessee's going to have Tennessee's to- without Ziegler, and they can't score. Like, I worry about Tennessee because they just can't score. They can defend you, though, man. They the, can. The defensive uh, game that they put together against Arkansas mm-hmm. on Tuesday night was impressive. I mean, they had they had Arkansas guys that are lottery picks taking some of the stupidest worst shots. They were so frazzled. Mm-hmm. By Tennessee's defense, but I could see Arkansas at home beating Kentucky on on Saturday. Mm-hmm. That, that could happen. All right, what has Dennis Gates done? What is how has he done this? Where he took a team, frankly, Missouri sucked last year. I think you would agree with that. Um, yeah. He he took a he took a a bad Missouri team, and has made them pretty good in one season. I mean, I think Missouri is headed yeah. to the NCAA tournament. I think they're in. Right? Isn't that your consensus? Yeah. They are absolutely in. Um, where they're seated is going to be fascinating because, like, the computers hate them. Because their margin of victory isn't impressive. They, they're not very good on defense. They basically, they force opponents to turn the ball over like 26% of their possessions, which is third or fourth in the country. But if you don't turn the ball over, you're almost always going to score against Missouri. Because once you don't turn the ball over, they can't, they can't stop you. Um, so their margin of victory and some of their computer numbers aren't good. They're like 49th in the net, 50-something in Ken Palm. But, like, they've got five quad one wins. They have not lost a game outside of quad one. Like, their worst loss this season is at Mississippi State, which is possibly an NCAA. Well, at Florida, I guess, would be their worst loss. But um, because it was a road game, that that's still quad one. So, it, basically, he's done it by this is a completely different team. He has Kobe Brown and then uh, Kobe Brown's brother, Caleb Brown, and Ronnie DeGray played last year and are still here this year, but but really don't play. Everybody else is new. He brought guys from Milwaukee and Cleveland State and Clemson and all over. They had 10 new players, uh, the top two JUCO players in the country. And going into this season, I kind of said, like, hey, guys, you remember 12 months ago, you were all fired up about the mid-major transfers Conzo Martin got to. So I get it. They're new guys. You're excited. But let's pump the brakes. I think the ceiling for this team is they could find their way to the bubble. Well, the difference is Conzo missed on all his mid-major guys, and Dennis Gates has hit on all of them. I mean, Demoy Hodge came from Cleveland State, might be the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Nick Honor came from Clemson and is suddenly better here than he ever has been in his career. DeAndre Golston has hit two forty-footers to win games at the buzzer for him. You know, they just they just have different dudes every night. And uh, I was telling somebody earlier today, they're not always good. But they are never boring, man. It, it, I mean, they were down tw- 19 to LSU last night and won. Uh, they were down 7 to Georgia. Then at one point outscored Georgia 51-18. You know, they won at Tennessee. They beat, beat the breaks off Kentucky and Illinois. So 
they've got a chance to do something. I mean, it's it's a big deal for Missouri to get in, but it would be a much bigger deal to win a game. Uh, they have if they don't win a game in the tournament by the time next year's tournament rolls around, it, it will be more than five thousand days since Missouri has won an NCAA tournament game. Are you serious? Thirteen years. Mike Anderson's next to last season was the last NCAA tournament game Missouri won. Wow. Yeah. All right, so here's what's interesting to me about that when you say that, because when I hear Missouri, I still think about a place that's kind of basketball rabid. They they love basketball at Missouri. And yet, I don't know. I mean, I won't say it was dead there because I wasn't in the arena. But No, it, it's been dead. On TV, it looked kind of depressing. And this year, when I've watched Missouri, and I've watched Missouri play home games, I've watched at least five of their home games. That place is rocking, man. I mean, it's full. It, it's loud. It looks like people are having a good time. Is that? I know that's winning, duh. But is it more than that? Is it style of play? Is it? Is it just a freshness, or what? What, what do you attribute that to? Well, it's a lot of things. I mean, people our age think Missouri is a basketball school, right? It's why they've been so shockingly. It, it's so stunning. They've been so bad in the SEC. Like, there's no reason Missouri should not have goals of being the second or third best basketball program in this conference. I, I mean, that's what. People our age think they should be. Um, but they've done a lot of things. First of all, the AD, I mean, they had the biggest increase in football attendance in the SEC, despite being six and seven. So she's done a lot of things to just kind of try to get people in the building. One of them is they hosted Kansas for the first time in 11 years. And she told the students, we are keeping track of going to games. If you want Kansas tickets, you better show up at every game before that because then you're going to go in a lot. You don't just get to show up December 10th and see KU play. So the student section has been packed all year. They've been doing some promotions and different things. Gates has a really fun team to watch, you know, and because Conzo Martin, even when his teams were good, they were not fun to watch. I mean, they were winning games 58, 56, and it was it was rock fights. And, yeah. and so it, it's kind of a combination of it, but more than anything, it's winning. But I, I mean, I think the Ole Miss game is, I don't know, like their sixth or seventh home sellout this year. Sellout. Um, does that mean like all the tickets are sold? It means all the tickets are sold. Whether it means all the seats are filled, I don't know, but. Yeah. Oh, so people go to the games there. <laughs> now and again, yes. Yes. But not the last nine years, but this year. The Ole Miss game, the Ole Miss games have gotten so depressing, really, at home. Um, where Press Row is, like your guys, your guy probably saw me do this, and he probably was like, man, that's not very professional. It's like, yeah, well, I'm my own boss. I can do what I want. Um, there's a beer kiosk. It's kind of, if I get up and head towards the concourse. It's like right there on my left. And every game that I've covered at halftime, I get up and I go get a beer and it's become a joke. Like, will I ever wait in line at all? Yeah. And this last game against Texas A&M on Tuesday night, I got up to go get a beer and the girl was just standing there and she's like, Hey, and I'm like, Hey, what's up? We're almost <laughs> buddies now, you know? And you want the, the usual? <laughs> yeah, she's like, well, well, no, I don't really have a usual because they don't have any of the beers that I normally drink. So I just try different things. And so she's like, well, what, what's it going to be? And I'm like, ah, you know, I think I'll, I'll just do a Coors Light. 
And we're just having a conversation. And I keep thinking to myself, you need to hustle because there's somebody waiting behind you. And I look back and nope, there's nobody. She's just by <laughs> herself. I was her human interaction for three hours. Well, they uh I like to call those friends and family gatherings. The uh the Missouri radio broadcaster has it raised a few eyebrows a few times in the last few years. He, he called his 1000th game last night. So like he's, he's got some, some equity built up. He can say some things sometimes. Yeah. He would uh, frequently talk about in the last eight years that it was an intimate gathering at Mizzou arena for a game. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So Ole Miss is in the middle of a coaching search. I mean, they, they parted ways with our Kermit Davis a week ago. Win case is not going to be a candidate for the the, the full time job, despite you lobbying for him. I don't know. I mean, if he if he wins in Columbia on Saturday, I don't know how you deny that. Uh, Ole Miss was up twenty to eight the other night against Texas A and M, and I get a text from Gabe saying, "Hey, you know, Win Case might have this thing locked up." And I was like, "Nope, nope, nope, Gabe. Nothing against Win, but I mean, they, they're gonna have to go outside." The, the punny headlines just write themselves. Come on, you're rooting for Win. He's he's making his case right now, man. All right. It, I don't think as we record this that Chris Beard is all that much of a candidate for Ole Miss anymore. What would the reaction okay. be? What would the reaction be in media, in your opinion, to a Chris Beard hire, to a Will Wade hire, two people that have been accused of completely different things? Right. So I think they're different ones. Um I if I was I'll say this, if I was Ole Miss, I would probably try to hire Chris Beard if I could. Um, I think he's an elite basketball coach. I look, I, I that doesn't condone what he did. Charges were not filed or were dropped or whatever. Yeah, they were dropped. He, that somebody's going to hire him, right? I mean, it may not be a power five school. I don't know what I don't know what Greg Sankey's feelings on this are. I mean, you and I know I cover a school that wanted to hire Hugh Freeze at one point and and wasn't allowed to. So let's I don't know if the SEC is involved here. Let's go down the road on the Sankey thing because this is interesting because I, I have a feeling, and I, if I'm wrong on this, guys, I'm wrong, and this is just a thought exercise, but I'm I'm not – I don't think I'm completely wrong. Um, I think you're going to hear this thing kind of get whispered that, hey, Greg Sankey put the kibosh on this, and I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Okay. I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't buy that because – and here's why. Yeah, Greg Sankey didn't – encourage people to hire Hugh Freeze. But that was because Ole Miss was under sanctions because of things that had happened during Freeze's watch. I don't think Greg Sankey was all that high on Alabama potentially hiring Jeremy Pruitt back to its staff. But that's because there's a possibility, a very real possibility, that Tennessee is going to have some form of sanctions uh, come down because of things that happened under Pruitt's watch. If you told me, and I haven't heard this, in fact, I've heard the opposite, but if you told me that Greg Sankey put the, no, you can't hire Will Wade until the LSU thing is resolved. All right, I'll I'll buy that. Mm -hmm. If you told me that Greg Sankey told Ole Miss, nope, you can't hire Chris Beard, I would I would push back. Somebody at Ole Miss would have to tell me, no, that's exactly what happened for me to believe it. Um, I don't I don't think that's the case. Why why? Uh, yeah, I, I can see that. He didn't commit any NCAA violations. It happened at a school that's not yet in the SEC. Um, it the the charges were dropped. He's not facing any oh. le any legal recourse. I don't know why, why would Greg Sankey tell Ole Miss, "No, you can't hire Chris right. Beard." 
And not to go down this rabbit hole, but if that happened, if I'm Keith Carter, I'm going to Brandon Miller. He's playing, right? No charges. Yeah, of so course. So he can play. What's the difference? I don't you think know. the league. I don't think the league has that heavy of a hand. Right. Right. No, no, that's fair. I was. I was just, and I'm. I have no idea if Sankey would get involved or not. I'm just saying, if if the SEC is fine with it, if I'm Ole Miss. I'm trying to hire him because I think he's an elite basketball coach. And Will Wade, I know there are people who won't agree with me on this. I don't think he's an elite basketball coach. I think he bought tons of talent to LSU and was usually done before the second weekend of the NCAA tournament started. I understand he won the SEC one year. Um, but every year, LSU didn't go as far as I think a lot of people expected him to go. I'm not so... I'm sold on Chris Beard as a basketball coach. Right. I don't know if I'm sold on Will Wade as a guy that's anything more than a, a, a good salesman when he's when he's got the money. All right, so you just watched Missouri hire a mid-major from Cleveland State, mm-hmm. and he came in. I don't know that many people knew who Dennis Gates was before. Oh, Dennis- Missouri fans were outraged. All right, so people like me, I cover Ole Miss. I've covered Ole Miss now for 15 years, which is hard to believe. And I've covered one, two, two NCAA tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've covered one Ole Miss NCAA, well, two NCAA tournament wins. They beat BYU in a play-in game, and I covered a win over Wisconsin and Kansas City. That's what I've covered. Um, I've covered losses to Xavier and LaSalle. That's what I've covered. 15 years. That's not a lot of NCAA tournament. And I've watched these last two years. There's nobody in the building. The building's dead. Um, I'm of the opinion that, man, you got to really think about a splash here. I mean, you got to think about hiring somebody that's got some name value that people get excited about, kind of the way they did with Lane Kiffin in football. Yet, there are plenty of examples of mid-major guys taking major jobs and turning it around quickly and making it exciting. When you look at kind of the Ole Miss job, what it looks like it is, who they could p- perhaps get, how how important is Splash for a hire? In general, I think it's overrated always. Like every every fan base says that, right? Well, this is the time we got to make a splash. We got to no, you got to hire the right guy. I mean, Dennis Gates was Dennis Gates did wasn't a splash. I mean, it, what a lot of people didn't know at the time, he was going to get an SEC job, whether it was South Carolina, Missouri, LSU, Florida, like they all talked to him. He was going to get one of those jobs. Yeah. And Missouri got him, but but it wasn't this, oh wow, Missouri hired the Cleveland State coach. Most people said, what the hell is Cleveland State and why are we hiring a coach from there? But he knows what he's doing. So ultimately you've just got to get the right guy. Um but but here's where I look at and I think Missouri is a little different than Ole Miss. We're talking about the history, and it's been a while, but there is history here. You can sell a program. You can sell a fan base that really cares about it and supports it when it's good. At Ole Miss, there, that's not that. I mean, I think if most people are drawing up, okay, jobs in the SEC, whether you want to say Ole Miss is 11th or 14th, I think it's probably in that tier, right? Ole Miss, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Vanderbilt maybe for although I think Vanderbilt's a better basketball job than some people do cuz cuz I do think sometimes the fans care. Um so if I'm Ole Miss it's not so much so much a splash but if I hire a mid-major guy who manages to do in year 1 2 or 3 what Dennis Gates is doing here like I know there's a decent chance somebody's going to try to come get him, right? 
So why not go get a guy that I already know is an elite coach like Chris Beard and say, yeah, I get and If he does it here in two or three years, he ain't going to be here. Yeah. I mean, but if anybody does it, I'm not sure they're going to be here in two or three years. Yeah. I mean, well, Chris Beard is the guy that for me is the no brainer for that very reason. Chris Beard's got baggage, right? Chris Beard can't come to Ole Miss win in one year and haul ass because where are you going to go, right? You're you're only going to go to like a blue blood. And a blue blood's not hiring him until they see multiple wins. And hey, I'm going to make sure you're out of trouble because there's like a window here where you might do something stupid. And we're going to let them take the hit for it, not us. Because if we hire you, right, and that, that's that whole deal. I just, I don't know. I, I don't know what and, Chris Beard, I, I, and look, Chris Beard might very well look at the St. John's job and go, that's a better basketball job. I'd rather have that job than, than the Ole Miss job. Right. I, don't, I don't know what Chris Beard's thinking or isn't thinking. Here's always been my thought on, on coaching hires. The worst reason to not hire a guy is, well, he might leave. Well, so what if he leaves? Then he did a good job. Like that's a terrible reason to not hire a guy. Yeah, I mean the like, worst thing you that know, can happen, the worst thing that can happen is that you hire a guy and four years later you're firing him because he sucked. Right. You, you know what? He might leave gets you. It gets you being Missouri hiring Kim Anderson. Well, if he's good, he's going to stay here forever. Yeah, but like he wasn't good, and your program was a train wreck because of it. Hire hire the right guy. If he leaves, he leaves. It's the supermodel thing. If you have a chance to date the supermodel, you date the supermodel. Mm-hmm. If she leaves you. Yes, she and, might she might leave you, but by the time she leaves you, you will have met some of her supermodel friends. And if if you're old Miss basketball, you don't hire the supermodel unless like eh, she put on a few pounds, right? She got yeah, a little bit of a drinking she, problem, but that's got, okay. She went on a binge with some pills and it got bad right. and she put on twenty five pounds and you you're gonna have to you have to take her to you know yoga class for a while and and, and get her kind of back into it and then by the time she by the time she gets back in tip top shape she's gonna bolt but by right. the time but- she gets back in tip top shape another thing happened all of her supermodel friends saw you kind of build her back up right. and they're like what is what is it that she sees in him and okay you know yes yeah. so yeah I'm I'm on board with Chris beard if they won't do that look I'd I don't know. I went through all the, I, I just did this last year. So I knew every mid-major coach in America who meant I, I anything. I had the best. But they all got hired. I had a great hot board and everybody got hired on it. I was, it was, yeah. I had some really good content ready to go. Cause I kind of thought it was going to happen. Last well, year. well, see, well can the, we point out thing? Here's the interesting thing for Keith Carter is that people like me kind of just gave him a pass on deciding last year not to make a move. Like I kind of thought last year you probably ought to do this, and they didn't do it. And now there's the pressure to not only you got to get it right because if you get it wrong, you're like, you mean you waited an extra year to do that? Right. I mean, Missouri went three and zero against Ole Miss last year. They went nine and twenty one against the rest of college basketball. Like that alone yeah. told me eh, this probably ain't working. No. <laughs> all right. Um. All right. The tournament starts next week. Um. Yeah. Let me, let me ask it this way: If I told you, if I told you you had to name the the teams from the SEC that would make the second weekend, who would you give a shot to? Okay, the only one I'm comfortable saying makes it is Alabama. Um, right. Like I think the SEC could get eight teams in the tournament, and I think seven of them could lose their first game. Uh, I think I Alabama do. won't. A and M, like, would it shock me if A and M's on the second weekend? No, but. 
It's because of buzz. They're, but they're going to be a seven or an eight seed. They play that style of basketball that you're kind of going when, when your goal is to win every game 64 to 60. There's not a lot of margin for error in that, right? All it takes is one off shooting night or one guy getting hot on the other team. And all of a sudden you look up and you're like, oh, we lost 66 64. I'm so um, interested to watch them play Alabama on Saturday because they're going to play a team that's a lot more athletic than them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. But I think a wins that game. I kind of do too. Buzz can take games like because- that and get his teams to just grit and stuff, and then they'll turn it into a rock fight. And once A&M makes it a rock fight, they win. Well, and also, Alabama doesn't need to win that game. They've already won the league. They've been flirting with losing for about three or four straight games. They should have lost at some point. Now, I'm probably giving Nate Oates too much credit because after the last three weeks, I don't know that actual thoughts go through Nate Oates' head. But it wouldn't be the worst thing, probably from his perspective, for his team to lose a basketball game. And to kind of wake up and say, hey, guys, we don't just get to roll the ball out and win the national title. So I think AM wins that. But AM could go to the Sweet 16 and could lose round one. Tennessee, we talked about, especially without Ziegler. Like, I don't think they can go to the Final Four anymore without him. But they're a good team. They're going to be like a four seed, three seed, but they could lose in round one. I've seen Auburn's best, and I wouldn't bet against Bruce Pearl in the tournament. By the way, I'm not 100% sure they get in. You know, I mean, if if they lose to Tennessee and then they lose their opener in the SEC tournament, I'm not positive they're in the tournament. I agree. I think um, he agrees. 
I don't think Mississippi State is a great team. Like, I don't see them second weekend. No. But they could win a game. Um, Missouri is Missouri's going to be the most – like, they could literally be – I could argue they should be a five seed and they might be a ten seed. I, I have no idea where they're going to land. And, like, earlier this year, they beat Illinois by – 20 something and came back five days later and beat Kentucky by 20. So they have already shown like back to back games, we can beat that level of team. If they get the right matchup and if they shoot the ball well, they are good enough to, to get to the second weekend. They also can absolutely lose to any team that's going to be in this field on the wrong day with the wrong matchup. And I think that's how most of the SEC is. Yeah, I think you touched on everybody. Um, you didn't touch on Arkansas. I don't, but I don't think they're a second weekend team. They just can't. They're talented, but that's as far as it goes. The, the only reason I would say maybe they are is Musselman's put it together at the right time each of the last two years. Yeah. If they had Trevon Brazil, I think they're a legitimate Final Four team, maybe right. national title team. But I, it just, it's, it hasn't been there all year. But that's the but, crazy but, part about Missouri is that they lost a talent like Brazil to the portal and they're still where they are. It's incredible. Yeah. If, if, if there's going to be a couple of teams, like here's what I want to see out of the, out of selection Sunday. I want Bill self to be looking at this bracket and going, can I cuss on this podcast? Yeah. Okay. I want Bill self to look at his bracket and go, are you fucking kidding me? Kentucky is the nine seed in my region, Kentucky, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or, or, and somebody's going to wake up and go, Oh, we're a two seed. Oh, second round. We might get Arkansas with lottery pick Nick Smith. Awesome. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, I mean, and that could happen where you get like Kentucky as an eight and Arkansas yeah. as a nine. And you look up yeah. on the second round and one of those two teams is staring at you. And you're like, you know, if, if Smith gets hot or if, right. if Shibway goes off, it, right. it, you know, I don't know. Or, or even like Purdue looks up and goes, Oh, Zach Eady, cool. Oh shit, he's playing Jani Broom. Oh, this Arkansas or this Auburn team's got some dudes, you know. I mean, yeah. there are teams in this league that can win a game or two, but they could all lose day one except Alabama. All right. Last thing. Um, we all you went through the a realignment thing years ago with Missouri joining the SEC. There there are the early signs of ACC discord. If I what, what do you think ultimately happens with the ACC over the next three to five years? I still have to understand how they can get out of this 2036 handcuffs. You know, I mean, I guess eventually if you're willing to give up enough money, you can. I don't know. We've talked for like two years. It all seems to be going toward this big Super League thing, right? Where there's only like 40 teams in college sports that matter. And I hate it, but I still miss the big eight, man. So, you know, I mean, I I wish it wasn't this way. I think it's better. The like the 12 team playoff is awesome because you're giving more fans a reason to care, right? With this realignment and consolidation, all you're doing is telling more and more fans you don't really have a reason to care about this. And I think that sucks, but it's kind of the way it's going. I mean, if USC can be in the Big Ten, there's no rules anymore. Agreed. I I, I think that I'm I'm on the aggressive side of this. I think the ACC is in mortal trouble. I think it's happening sooner rather than later. I just think that you're going to see enough members go, hey, there's so much more money to be made elsewhere. Let's figure it out. And then at some point, it just happens. Hey, uh, you did this on really short notice, and I certainly appreciate it very, very much. Thank you so much for the time. Enjoy your weekend. Um, enjoy Ole Miss, Missouri. I will, uh, I will 
I might take your game story and just stick it on our site. I don't know that four. See, people, uh, I don't know that four people would notice. All right, I'll I'll report back on the uh, beer lines at Mizzou Arena for you. Please do get one for me. I'll uh, I'll and send me. I'll I'll Venmo you the I'll Venmo you the price. Thanks for the uh, thanks Perfect. for the time. I appreciate you. All right, have a good one. Uh, big thanks to Gabe for his time today on the show. Here's Chase's conversations with uh, D1Baseball.com's Joe Healy. Joe Healy, D1Baseball.com, SEC Extra, joining us now on the show live from, uh, I guess, recorded live. For, he must be talking to him right now. But anyway, in Athens, <laughs> Georgia, Georgia Tech this weekend. Big weekend uh, coming up in SEC, some interesting series. We'll get to those before we close. But I saw you in Oxford over the weekend. The Rebels took two out of three from Maryland. They uh, had no answer for Jason Sivakul on Friday and then pulled off wins on Saturday and Sunday thanks to their offense. And just getting through it for the most part on the mound. Just uh, a pretty open-ended question, but what did you think of the weekend? What did you uh, what did you see while you were here? Well, first of all, the, the, the line will be long and illustrious of teams that couldn't do much with Jason Savicool. That's, yeah. That is a, a club that's okay to be a part of, frankly. I think he will befuddle most of the Big Ten this year and most anyone he, he faces. So I think Mike that, that cut just... him last summer with Team USA. He might have had a chip on his shoulder. You know, he, he didn't make the final <laughs> roster, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw I saw him at the they they do their warm up stuff out where I live in Durham, and so I, I get to see those guys. And yeah, I was I was kind of surprised that, that he wasn't wasn't ultimately there. Although I mean, you know, this I'm sure you've and from maybe talking to Mike, you heard some of this. It's like there's so many factors that go into making that Team USA. It's like workload and kind of the role that their campus team sees for them next year. Mm-hmm. And you know, if they're going to the Cape, they might want to get out there. You know, just all that kind of stuff. So there's anyway. Back to your question. Um, honestly, as good as I knew the lineup was on paper, I came away actually thinking that Ole Miss's lineup is even better than I thought, (laughs) which is scary. And I think puts it in the class of an LSU. Now, LSU obviously has the two headline names. And anytime you have two guys who are maybe 1A and 1B on a list of players to win SEC player of the year and perhaps national player of the year, that's going to put you on a different level. But for my money, Ole Miss is right there. I mean, anytime Peyton Chotney is your nine guy you're talking about crazy depth there. And I hadn't seen a lot of guys like Ethan Leger, for example, and came away really impressed. Um, there's a level of physicality up and down the lineup that, um, you know, I was, I came away just kind of really taken aback by and look, they're going to need that at least until Hunter Elliott comes back. And and I, you know, uh, you, you just don't know what you're going to get with Hunter Elliott either too, right? He's going to come off of having not thrown a competitive pitch by that point in eight weeks or something like that. And so, you know, is he gonna is he gonna be the same guy right away? Is he gonna be the same guy weeks down the road? Is he is he never gonna be the same guy? We don't know. So you can't really bank on that. But until that point, when you start to get another data point there with him, they're just gonna have to hit their way to wins. And this team's gonna win a lot of ball games like that. But I don't think this team ends up being kind of a national title contender in, unless they can get some of that stuff straightened out. And I, the, past weekend is I don't I don't know how many levers they have left to pull would have been have to, to to hit their way to wins and then we'll see kind of what um you know we'll see kind of what happens once they get back to something closer to full strength on the mound. Yeah, you know, from 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 that standpoint, because I'm watching them and I, I I said before the season I had sort of two takeaways. One was that 
there was at least the chance the offense was better than than last season. I get they lose Elko and they lose Graham and they lose Bench, but one through nine, the way you compete through the entire lineup, I thought it at least had a chance. It's looked to that level. Calarco has been better than maybe I thought in person that, than he might have been coming in. They've had some things that have, that have made it out that way. But on the other side, and I mean, I'll probably have my own subscribers and listeners frustrated at me here. I thought they were one arm short even prior to Elliott's injury and prior to. I just thought there's not there's not an arm there. I mean, you look at it and – you know, Ole Miss lost out on a couple of transfer portal battles over the course of the offseason. And from a straight experience standpoint, they have two pitchers that threw this last weekend that threw double-ditching innings last year. That's it. Jack Doherty and Mason Nichols were the only two guys who had any sort of substance last year. You know, maybe Mitch Morell ends up making a jump, but we haven't seen that necessarily the first weekend outside of stuff standpoint. You're just – Mike is counting on so many people in so many new roles here that – you know, you look at this, they need a good weekend in Minnesota. We'll see how this goes against Maryland, Minnesota, and Nebraska. But the way that SEC start is with those first 18 games, those first, those first six weeks, till you maybe get Elliott back at the very end of it. And like you said, we don't know exactly what to expect, but for the sake of the conversation that he's somewhat of his normal self, I mean, you're talking about just get anywhere near 500 and you've done one heck of a job. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely, totally agree. I mean, I'm <clears throat> I'm kind of with you in that it felt like a little short from the from the jump, mm-hmm. and you know you were just kind of hoping that you know not too different from last year. I mean that you that you find some guys as time goes on, and that of course could still happen. But I was looking at the stat sheet this morning for Ole Miss, and the idea that JT Quinn is the only guy who's thrown ten or innings or more at this point is it's early. I get it. Pitch counts are a thing yeah. early in the season, but you would have thought that one of the guys that started a couple of games now would have cracked ten innings, and so. When you combine the fact that, you know, Grayson Sonier is a freshman, and I think people forget that as much as Gunnar Hoagland was a guy they threw in the rotation right away, it's not like he was great as a freshman. Mm. He had some moments, but he got hit around some. He threw too many strikes and, you know, all that stuff. Um, and then Xavier Rivas is making a big jump, man. And we saw last year with John Gaddis, a guy, I think Rivas's stuff is a little better than Gaddis. Actually, I'll say that definitively. His stuff is better than Gaddis's. Yeah. But you saw ultimately what Gaddis was. And it, Rivas might be a slightly elevated version of that, but they're going to need something more than that to be a difference maker in the SEC. Not that he can't be helpful, but we're talking about a guy that helps you more on the margins than ends up being a, a cornerstone of the pitching staff. I'm looking at it so closely most of the time, and I get I, I get it's just one start, but just overall composure, what he looked like on the mound. What do you think of Dory on Friday night against Sabacool? I mean, it's it's a it's it, it looked on par with Savakul for the first couple of innings, even when Maryland scored on him a little bit, like, cause mm-hmm. that's going to happen. Maryland's a very good lineup too. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a lineup. They, they really know who they are from an offensive standpoint. They know the guys they want and, and they get the most out of them. But for the first few innings, like it looks, you know, it looks on par with the best guys in, in any conference in the nation. And that's part of the reason why they wanted him in a bullpen role to start off with. And it's part of the reason why, frankly, and, and look, my, you know, Mike and that staff have forgotten more about baseball than I'll ever know, but it's part of the reason why I've been a little bit surprised that they immediately went with Doherty in the in the rotation, as opposed to leaving him in the bullpen and trying to find someone else in the rotation, mm-hmm. like just throwing darts and seeing what happens. Because you know what Doherty is in the bullpen. We also know what he is in the rotation. Why don't and I get that the schedule's been kind of tough, you know, last weekend and this weekend's fairly tough too. So you want to win games, but I, you also need to figure out what you got here. And, and I think you already have an answer with Doherty. Let's maybe try to find some other answers. And so, again, I that's not a second guess so much as it's just like I might have gone about it a, a little differently, but I have to assume that, that they know better than I do. 
Mike, the two things that happen that prevent that for him is number one, he feels like Friday is such the momentum game that he doesn't want to just sort of pitch backwards from a rotation standpoint. He doesn't want to put somebody in there where he doesn't feel like competitively they can handle it. And then he he really, really, really hates putting freshmen in there. He just does not pitch freshmen on Friday night really at all. And you look at the the options in the rotation, you go, I don't know. I don't know who would go there and who would do that. But I'm with you because – you know, Doherty had the chance to lock down one game on a weekend and maybe affect two from a bullpen standpoint, depending on what the situation was. And now you're just counting on him to kind of be SEC level average as a as an ace or as a Friday night guy at best. And it's a it's a strange spot for for Ole Miss. Uh, there, I know you're doing mostly SEC stuff now, but just kind of curious because Maryland's good. I mean, Savicool's good. Obviously, Dean's good on Saturday. They've got a really good one too. Their lineup is good. Um, there's nothing in this so far that think that makes you think they won't win the Big Ten or at least be the favorites, right? Yeah, I think there the difference maker is that nobody nobody has a Savicool in terms in the Big Ten in terms of the combination of pitchability stuff and track record. There's some guys that have the stuff. Iowa's got a couple of them. They got Brody mm-hmm. Brecht who throws 100 miles an hour and Ty Langenberg whose stuff's not quite that but still pretty good. But those guys don't have the pitchability or the track record of Savakul. And then you have some guys with track record, but just don't in, just don't have the stuff. So he's a game changer. And their lineup is just is pretty stacked. I mean, their nine guys kind of similar. I talked about with Shotney in the nine slot. Their nine hitters, Elijah Lambros, who hit a home run over the weekend against Ole Miss and runs really well and, and provides a lot of stuff. So that that's just stuff you don't see in the Big Ten. So I think that's that that's the favorite for me. But I will say that that Iowa did impress this past weekend. I mean, they they put it on LSU pretty good. And they faced what I might think of as the weakest LSU starter so far in Riley Cooper. Sure. I don't, I don't, if you made me predict he's not in the rotation when we get to mid April, I think they've gone to a different option, perhaps Thatcher heard by that point. So they did feast on him a little bit, but they also held the LSU lineup down. So I think I was the team in the big 10. That's kind of changed my mind the most so far this season, but yeah, it's to me, it's at least in terms of talent and on paper, it's Maryland. And then it's, it's everybody else in that league. It's just two weekends, but maybe any surprises, good or bad, in the SEC to this to this juncture. So the competition has not been good, but and also don't look now; they might be undefeated going into SEC play. But the feedback I've gotten from coaches on Alabama has been exceedingly <laughs> positive. Yeah, um, I talked to a coach the other day that just said, you know, and, and granted, this is an assistant coach at a mid-major club, so you know they don't see SEC pitching week in and week out. But he just said. I kept looking down to the bullpen and saying, surely they have an 89 to 90 guy in there. And they it just never happened. Like every guy came in was pumping mid 90s and they've got like a football team in their bullpen. It's guys that are 6'5", 6'6", 230 pounds, 250 pounds. And, and they said it was just relentless in the bullpen. And that's a little bit of a flip from where Alabama was last year. Alabama's team last year had three battlers, gritty starting pitchers that would give them six innings or seven innings, and it might not be pretty, but they were going to get you the innings. And then the bullpen was a coin flip and a crapshoot. This year's team actually looks like it could be the flip of that, where they've got real stuff in the rotation, and they're in a position where those guys can maybe air it out for four or five innings, and their bullpen might be able to piece it together from there. And that's that's a real advantage. So the offense, I think, has a pretty high floor because it's old. That's to me their their weak spot, but you know I think there were a lot of people wondering what Alabama was going to be coming into this season, but the feedback I've gotten has been overwhelmingly positive to where now I'm I'm really actually pretty curious to see them, and I'll I'll be in Gainesville for opening week of, of SEC play, um, and I thought that was going to be more of a play to see Florida because they've been really interesting so far, but but now I'm kind of intrigued by the idea of of seeing Alabama against a like opponent. 
You've got in your preview article, you can find that at d1baseball.com, talking about the weekend, what's coming up. You've got Ole Miss in Minnesota with Vanderbilt, uh, Maryland, Nebraska, and Hawaii as the uh, kind of the, the top of the tier. Is that simply because of Ole Miss and Vanderbilt against Maryland, or are some of the other Big Tens interesting that makes that the case as well? I mean, it's mostly those two teams against Maryland. Um I would frankly, I would have liked to have seen, you know, just because we saw Savakul versus Ole Miss, mm-hmm. I would have liked if the schedule had worked out a little differently. I'm sure Ole Miss feels the same way, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although Nebraska's Emmett Olsen, who Vanderbilt's going to get, is, is like no walk in the park either. He was a Team USA guy last summer, and so you know he's got he's got real stuff too. But um, Nebraska's kind of tricky, and I I kind of include them in, in what I'm curious about because they. They weren't. They were very good two years ago. Ran away with the Big Ten last year. Came back with a roster that had a lot of guys returning. A very good recruiting class, and it just fell flat. And it's one of the great mysteries of last season that I haven't really had anybody be able to explain to me necessarily. And so they're a big question mark for me. They're they're talented. It's not just Emmett Olson, position player wise. Max Anderson, their third baseman's a, a draft guy. Bryce Matthews, one of their other infielders, is a legit draft guy. They've got some depth. Um, you know, it's a it's a, a pretty physical team too. They look the part. Um, so th- that could be the team that actually comes out and, and makes a statement by the way they play this weekend. Now, whether that's just one win and they play well or or two wins and, and they come away with a winning weekend, I'm not, I'm not really sure, but that's kind of the wild card there. And you know, this, this tournament is a reminder to me of, of how much Minnesota frankly has fallen because I, I covered this, that Minneapolis tournament in person back in 2018. It was a big 10 pack 12, Thing that year and that was the year minnesota ended up in a super regional they hosted a regional were in the super regional they had max meyer on their team obviously mm-hmm. that's not that long ago but since then they've had uh you know their top assistant coach who'd been with john anderson for several decades has retired obviously they they lost their pitching coach tragically several years ago todd oaks and that so his pitchers have kind of washed out of the program at this point and so it just kind of seems like maybe there was some magic in in that staff that had been together for a long, long time that has has now left, and it's that was such a steady program for a long time that it's it's kind of a bummer to see them struggle the way they have because they've just they've been at the bottom of the Big Ten now for for several years, and and they were never that they were consistently a top three four program in the Big Ten, and it's just it hasn't been that in a while now. The weekend series or tournament or whatever you want to call it that I'm most interested in is Texas A and M there in Houston at, at the Shriners. Over the weekend, I, I know Rice is kind of whatever right now, but Louisville and Texas Tech, and that's A&M coming off that series where they were really fortunate to not get swept by Portland, if we're just being really honest about it. Over the course of those three days, it looks like their stars are not performing. Again, it's early. a and is going to be fine. But what have you sort of seen from the Aggies, and what do you expect this weekend? Yeah, I think I think the reason why I, I agree with you that I think they'll be fine is that I think it'd be one thing if the pitching had come out and been a problem because I did have questions about that. I mean, there was a lot of buzz about Nathan Detmer and I understood it, but also was a little bit dubious because there's a guy who had a five ERA last year, you know, and the stuff was good last year too, but he does seem like he's taking another step and, and the Purdue transfer Troy Wansing has been really good. And, and Chris Cortez has shown flashes. And so the fact that it's the pitching that has kind of carried the day for them, I think is, is a positive because I, the offense is, has to come around. There's, I mean, it's one thing if it's a lot of guys that are maybe, you know, hit 330 last year and are hitting 280 this year, but it's these guys are hitting under 200, and that's just not going to happen. So I think it could be some high-scoring games this weekend because both Louisville and Texas Tech are offensive clubs, and that might be kind of what the doctor order for A&M right now. I, I don't 
love on paper either pitching staff at, at Louisville or Texas Tech. And, and those are two programs that sometimes you don't love what they have in, in those regards and they just kind of figure it out. Those are two programs I do kind of associate with being very good at. Mm-hmm. You're not sure what you're looking at on paper and then you look up in June and they're right there in the thick of it. But I think for AM, that's kind of what you want to see right now is, hey, let's let's get some pitching staffs that aren't just going to maybe be able to dominate us. We can put some balls in play. We can make some things happen. We're not scared of getting two, a two-hit shutout because the, the guy just is, is throwing BBs at us. So I think it's probably a good matchup for AM right now. And I think ultimately they'll be they'll be fine. But and remember, last year they lost a series to Penn early in the season. And you know, that turned out to be fine. We saw how that worked out. So it's it's easy to, and I'm guilty of it too, overreact to a surprising result early. And then more often than not, the teams kind of end up being what we thought they were. Just a couple of quick hits. You're obviously in Athens for Georgia and Georgia Tech this weekend. And then the uh, the South Carolina series going on against Clemson, where they play in three different places in three days, was a little more uh, interesting prior to last weekend. Clemson getting swept at home by UCF prior to, to coming in for the weekend. But What's sort of the the keys of the thoughts on Georgia and South Carolina in those respective series this weekend? Georgia needs to kind of take what they had last weekend pitching wise, and they pl- they played Princeton last weekend, which is not a good team. They were one of the you know RPI wise, they were awful last year, and I don't know enough about Ivy League baseball to tell you how reflective <laughs> that is of where they were in the pecking order. The record wasn't good, the RPI was bad. That's about all I know. But they pitched really well. Liam Sullivan threw seven no-hit innings, and I don't really care who you're facing in Division One baseball. You do that, you're doing some things right. Jaden Woods is really good last weekend. Now they did lose, I think, thirteen to twelve to Princeton in the season or the mm-hmm. series finale. That's not great. So if they can kind of recreate what they did pitching wise, because you know this Georgia Tech's going to hit. Like that's just what they do. Um, so you're not going to come out of this clean, I don't think. But if they can kind of carry the momentum from what they did last weekend on the mound into this weekend. I think, I think they'll be all right because as much as they have questions on the mound, I mean, Georgia tech's questions historically have been two or three fold. <laughs> That's a continuing problem for Georgia tech finding consistent pitching. So I think there's going to be some high scoring games. I think I will probably be at a game this weekend that takes three forty-five or maybe four, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's just kind of the, the deal you sign up for when you have good offenses like this. So that is what it is for South Carolina. I think it's, doing what they do and not getting kind of sucked into the stuff that can happen in rivalry series where things get really charged up and um, you know, you get tense and nervy and all that kind of stuff because they, they're better than Clemson and offense against not good competition. I get it, but their offense has been, has been better than I has handled that better than I expected they would a few weeks ago. I mean, the, their pitching staff, if it really clicks, you know, could be one of the best three or four in, in the SEC. And Clemson can hit a little bit, so that is going to be a little bit of a test. But that's kind of what I look for is just Clemson should go in there, and rivalry series are never easy, but Clemson should go in there and be able to handle their business. And if they get dragged down a little bit into the muck and this becomes chippy or, in, you know, emotionally charged in any way, that's when things can kind of get sideways. On a South Carolina team that has a lot of new players, is new to this rivalry series, and is, is new to being this good. Florida played Miami this weekend, and Florida may be the most, one of the most interesting teams in the conference to me. You just watch kind of how they play and the pitching and the offense, and they've got this Shohei Otani type guy going on on both sides of the field and everything right now. So I'm very interested in them, but I know I don't have you very long, and I know you got stuff going on. Mississippi State, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Cal this week. I know it's a different Oklahoma team a little bit than what Ole Miss saw in the uh, National Championship Series last year. But just from the standpoint of – the Bulldogs, we knew the pitching was a question mark. The pitching has been, frankly, awful at times so far this season. 
are they kind of what we thought, or has there been a different thought, you know, kind of opinion on the Bulldogs through two weeks? Okay, I was saying that Florida is very interesting to me, but Mississippi State probably the more relevant thing here with the last couple of minutes we have. They've got an interesting weekend: Ohio State, who's okay in the Big Ten, Oklahoma, not the same team Ole Miss faced last last June, but still a very quality program in Cal. Um, the Bulldog pitching was the question mark. It's been awful, um, if we're being real, for a lot of the the season to this point. We knew that was potentially the question mark. Thought we'd hit to some wins. Is there any different opinion on the Bulldogs than maybe you had the last time we talked a month and a half ago? Unfortunately, no. I kind of came out of last weekend thinking they might have turned a corner because they. I saw them on Saturday in that series, and they they threw strikes, they fielded the ball, they they did everything they're supposed to do, and I thought, okay, maybe maybe they're starting to get stuff sorted out, and they blew Arizona State out on Sunday, and I, I thought, hey, here we go. But then it was the same stuff against Southern Miss on Tuesday. And Southern Miss is good. I get it. But it was three errors or something like that and a bunch of walks. And, and here we are. And I don't – the competition they face this weekend, they sh- they should handle. But I think there's unique challenges there. Oklahoma is not the same team that Ole Miss saw in the College World Series. But the way they play could mm-hmm. push Mississippi State if Mississippi State throws the ball around. Because Oklahoma State's going to try to run. They're going to try to bunt. They're not going to make life easy. And if Mississippi State kind of spirals into that, that could play right in Oklahoma's hand. So I think that's a unique challenge that that team presents. And, you know, the thing about Ohio State is they have one exceptional pitcher, Isaiah Coupette, who's going to throw on Friday against Mississippi State. The rest of the weekend, I think I'd feel pretty good about that matchup. But that's a guy who could neutralize that lineup. And if you neutralize that lineup, I think you've got a real chance against Mississippi State with what they've what they've shown so far. So th- this is definitely not a weekend where State can just kind of waltz in and expect to out-talent out these guys. They're, they're going to have to play well. And unfortunately, that's been a kind of a coin flip so far this season. Last thing, I know it's really stupid to pick individual baseball games, but I'm going to make you do it anyway, Ole Miss in Minnesota for the weekend. How do you think the Rebels do? <laughs> I think it's two. I think it's two and one, okay. and I, I just say two and one just because I think with the pitching being where it, where it is now, and I, I guess if you're really going to make me do it, I, I think they'll, I think that they'll get to Savakul a little bit this time. I think that lineup is too good not to have figured some things out against him, but I think Nebraska is kind of tricky, and I think they're talented enough to feast on Ole Miss's pitching once Ole Miss gets past its first couple of guys and starts looking a little thin and. Um, I think Nebraska is talented enough to do that. So that feels like a little bit of a safe pick, but I, yeah, I gave you a little specificity there. To say, saying two and one feels safe, but I'll uh, I'll throw you a bone and give you a little more specific than that and say I think the, the Nebraska game might end up being trickier than the Maryland game in that respect. One bonus thing. How does that park play as I'm letting you go? When it's the U.S. Feels, Bank Stadium thing for baseball? Yeah, it, yeah, it feels really – it. In my experience, it plays big from the games I've seen there. I've seen nine in person and several more just kind of watching on, on the Big Ten streaming stuff. It's left field doesn't on paper look that far. It's listed at like 330 and down the line and 375 in the gap. But that feels at least 50 feet short from what it looks like. And part of that is because right field is only 300. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's that it's the fact that it, something about the conditions make it so that you don't see as many home runs to dead right field over that 300 foot fence as you would think. And I, I, I'm not smart enough to be able to tell you what is happening in the atmosphere that might make that the case. But in the games I've seen there, it's not like it's just home run Palooza at a right field where guys hit a bunch of routine pop-ups that just kind of carry out. So it, it plays pretty big. And I, you know, the, the games that I've seen there move, move pretty quick because if you've got athletes in the outfield that can go get it, it's just hard to, to find, to find grass out there. So it's, 
there are opportunities to to get the ball out of there, but it, it doesn't seem like in practice that ends up happening as much as you would think. D1Baseball.com, SEC Extra. Joe, thanks for the time. Good luck in uh, Athens this weekend. Let's do it again soon. Appreciate it, Tacey. All right. Thanks to Gabe DeArmond, Joe Healy for their time today, tonight on the show. This will be up in podcast form on Friday as the Oxford Exxon podcast. Speaking of, we'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Oxford Exxon podcast. We'll recap Ole Miss's basketball game with Missouri, the Rebels baseball games in Minneapolis, and much more. Have a great weekend. Thanks for making us a part of your week. We'll talk to you on Monday. Good night. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.